All right, well, it's been a little while since I've got to get up here. Uh, for uh, those of you that are visitors, I am not the normal preacher. I'm just a substitute, so uh, just bear with me today because uh, I've, I've got a doozy today, if you want to say. Oh, oh. I guess it's just like a, a normal Sunday, um, other than Brother Richard's not here. He's off uh, doing God's work still, though. And uh, before we begin, we need, to, uh, we need to lift him up in prayer, uh, safe travels for them, and, uh, and pray that uh, while they're at the Southern Baptist Convention that uh, you know, there'll be some, some God-felt things happen there. Uh, you know, in this day's society, things are, are not always going the way we intend. So uh, we need to definitely be in prayer for that. So, um, most of you know me that I've worked with the youth uh, for, I, I don't even know how many years it is now. It's been quite a while. Um, but when you're working with youth, sometimes you've got to get uh, energetic, I guess you could say. You've got to come up with some... Some stuff that can captivate their imaginations. Uh, sometimes some stories that'll that'll really draw them in, right? So that's that's today. I want to I want to kind of just pretend you're one of the youth today, okay? This one's gonna be gonna be out there. So uh, people's asked me in the hallway today, Joe, are you ready? We're excited. I was like, mm, I'm ready. I don't know if you're ready. <laughs> so <laughs> so we will see, but. Uh, before we begin, though, let's let's go to the word. Uh, go to the Lord in prayer, and let's uh, let's let's pray for Brother Richard and safe travels for them and everything. So, dear Grace Heavenly Father, we come to you today, Lord, and uh, just want to uh, just thank you for the opportunity to uh, to share your word, Lord, with your your people here today, Lord. And I just pray that the words that come out of my mouth, Lord, is what you want your people to hear, Lord. And um, I just ask you to just be with our community, Lord, be with our church, Lord, and. And, and most of all, Lord, uh, be with Mary Beth and Brother Richard as, as they are conducting your work, Lord. And uh, we just want to lift them up while they're at the Southern Baptist Convention, Lord, and pray for safe travels for them and um, uh, that they can make it back here safely to us, Lord, and uh, that, that your work will be done over there, Lord, that your will will be shining through. We ask all these things in your blessed name. Amen. All right, uh, when I think back to my younger years, uh, when I was in elementary school, one of my favorite things I got excited about every year was the mobile book fair. Uh, some of y'all might remember this little fair coming through, and they'd give you a catalog, and it'd have all this uh, interesting books that you could look at. But when you got there for a kid, there was a lot more than books just in there. There was a lot of cool things, all right? So... I would get excited about this. I mean, they had all kinds of stuff. They had the coolest pencils and pens, and and they had these slap bracelets. You ever seen a slap bracelet? That was cool. Them, them things, man. You 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 could get you could get into it with them things. We'd always be trading and trying to get the coolest one. Um, I later in life found out that thing really ain't nothing but a cut off piece of tape measure that they wrap in some some tape or something, you know. But you slap it, but. Uh, but I was excited about it when I was a kid, you know. I really, really liked them things. And uh, they might have even made their way back around by now. Everything kind of comes back around as it, as it goes. But, uh, but they had some cool stuff in there. 
one of my favorite things was these little styrofoam fighter jets. They come in a little package, and they had like a little plastic cone, and you put them together, really just slid the wings through and, and all. But as you move that little piece on the end, you can make them do tricks and flips. So that was one of the things I was always excited about when I went there. Got one every time just about. So things aren't quite as uh, uh, cheap as they used to be. So I'm, I don't remember what they cost, maybe 25, 50 cents, something like that. But it uh, wasn't much to them. But there was this one year that I went in there, and I found a book, and it really interested me. So I bought this book, and it had all these little short stories and pictures of some weird stuff in it. And that is one of the stories that I want to share with you today. So this is where it gets weird. So uh, here's the story. In October of 1967, two old friends bumped into one another in a gas station in Union Gap, Washington. Uh, one of the men began to tell the other one about a set of unidentified footprints that they had found in Northern California. And this guy wanted to go on this expedition, and he wanted to see these prints for himself, and he wanted to track down whatever had made them. His friend, being the very adventurous daredevil type, agreed to go along with him and see this firsthand, and they took a camera so they could perhaps get it on film. Uh, soon the two men found themselves on horseback in a place called Bluff Creek, California. They had with them some firearms and one 16-millimeter camera. Their saddlebags, they rode around searching the area for any signs of what could have made these footprints. Um, soon the horses, though, they began to feel a little uneasy and get upset. And it was about that time that these two men smelled this pungent odor in the air. So when they smelled this pungent odor, they got to looking around. And about that time, across the creek, these men, these two cowboys, they spotted this massive seven to eight foot tall hairy beast walking on two legs about 100 feet away from them. One of the men jumped off his horse, grabbed his camera, and sprinted closer to the beast. As he closed the distance, he suddenly dropped down on one knee to stabilize the camera shot. About that time, his friend ran up behind him with a firearm drew and offered cover. And the two men watched as this creature looked around to give the now infamous glance that we've all seen probably in a picture or in, in a camera. Um, of this creature walking away. This video lasted 59.9 seconds and became known as the Patterson-Gimlin film. It transformed what was once spoken about for centuries by many indigenous tribes as a myth and brought it into the realm of possibility, at least for some people, right? Now, many of you have probably seen this photo at some point that I'm talking about. Uh, it's even made its way back in the 70s into textbooks in school and the encyclopedia. So it was pretty believable at some point. Uh, they even had the film where you could go and take your family to go see this, this crazy thing, you know, on film. But you can imagine when I'm eight years old and I got this book, how captivated I was by that story. 
And it had other stories in it. It had the Loch Ness Monster and all these crazy things. You know, but in my imagination, it really captured me. Uh, it captivated me. In 59.9 seconds, a myth was brought to life in culture. And that myth still lives on today. Did you know that one out of every ten actually believe that there is a possibility that this could be real? One out of ten. That means there's at least ten of y'all in here that might think that because there's at least about a hundred people in here. <laughs> All right, um, but in the last 10 years, this, this thing has become more and more accepted. We, we see it on uh, television. Uh, they, they even did commercials uh, years ago. It's called Jack Link's uh, Messing with Sasquatch. Y'all might have seen some of the little commercials they did. They had them on the Super Bowl. So one of my favorite ones that I saw uh, was two guys are driving down a backcountry road, and they see a Bigfoot walking down the road. So they pull over. And they're eating Jack's Link's beef jerky. And one of them nudges the other one. Let's give him a ride. So they pull over and one hangs out the window. He says, hey, big fella, you want a ride? Come on. Well, Bigfoot, he walks up there. And right when he gets to the door, they take off. And they drive up a little further and they stop and they get to laughing. Well, this goes on twice. Well, the next time, he goes up there and just rips the passenger out through the window and throws him out in the woods and gets in and shuts the door. Well, the driver's sitting over there kind of scared to death now. So, and it was Jack Link's Feed Your Wild Side. It's a commercial. So, pretty funny. But we, we see these things uh, on TV now, you know. It's entertainment purposes. Um, there's one, me and Parker, we watch a lot of paranormal type stuff. You know, we're into that kind of stuff. And there's, uh, there's Expedition Bigfoot and Finding Bigfoot and all these things. You know, but I know this is an extremely out there topic. It's not something you would normally even hear in a church. I did check. I'm not the uh, first person to ever preach on this. So there's been quite a few. Because so, I wasn't going to do it if nobody had ever done it. So, um, but, but it is an extremely out there topic. Uh, but, I, you know, I, I feel like God can speak to us in many different ways and through many different situations in life. We, we can find inspiration even in the strangest places. So. Oh, you should have seen my wife and kids' face, though, when I told them I was going to do a sermon on Bigfoot. I didn't know if they was going to show up today. <laughs> Parker, Parker was. She said it was cool, but, but Grant Park, uh, Leah, they, they was like, I don't know about that. So, but, but anyway, that's, it's, it's all in good fun. But... Um, you know, the truth is, it really doesn't matter if, if Bigfoot's real or he's not, you know. Because the truth is that, that he's been brought to life in a very real way. And that's within the human imagination. He is, sometime, he is something that never had to exist in the flesh, but people chose to believe in him. Uh, and there are times that, that we can do this. I got to thinking, you know, there, there's times that we can do this as Christians and even people. We can come to God's holy word and the scriptures, and we can do that very same thing. We can believe in something that doesn't exist because we interject our own self into the text. 
uh, rather than accurately interpreting what God has to tell us in the text, uh, we allow our sin and our brokenness to get in the way of that. Uh, we allow our own ideas and our meanings to interpret what we think Scripture is saying to us. But Scripture was never, never meant for that. Scripture is God's holy word. It doesn't need us to interject our thoughts and ideas into it. Scripture means exactly what it means. Uh, it's God's holy word and it stands on its own. And that's, that's a very dangerous thing. You know, we, we, we think about it, you know, when we read uh, the text. That Have you ever done that? You ever read the text and you'd be like, well, I think it means this, you know. But we've got to be careful with that because it, it can be a very dangerous thing. That's, that's how false religions have come about, by someone uh, putting their ideas and, and you know, just taking con Scripture out of context. They want to pick it apart, and they want to make it sound the way they want to. And the sad thing is, is people get sucked into this. You know, just... They, they don't, they don't know, know for themselves, you know, but they choose to believe in something that someone's told them. And the truth is, is that is leading them away from God instead of toward God. It's something that someone created because they didn't like what God had to say. But they chose to believe in it regardless. Many of you might even know some of these false religions, uh, that I'm talking about, we, we see them, they're getting to be more prevalent, a lot more prevalent. Uh, they can even be found in some of the largest churches in the world. These churches have power, they have money, they have the ability to broadcast to millions of people, and they are leading them away from Christ instead of toward Him. They don't like what God has to say and they would rather conform to the world around them. They'd rather conform to, to the world, not to God. And we need to pray for, for these kind of people, I mean, that are, that are being brought in, and they don't know. They're, 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 they don't know they're, they're lost. They don't know, they don't realize that they're following something that doesn't exist. They're not following God's word. We need to pray that God would open their eyes to falsehoods that he would awaken them to see his truth and glory you know our government is built upon checks and balances or it's supposed to be but it's designed to keep one side or one branch of the government from gaining too much power you know so it makes the right decisions for the american people did you know that God wants us to perform checks and balances like that as well? It's our responsibility to monitor what we allow into our hearts and our minds. It's our responsibility to make sure that we're testing the people that we listen to. To make sure that what they are saying is in line with what God's word says. If we're not doing that, we could be led astray ourselves. 1 Thessalonians 5.21 says, But test everything, 
hold fast to what is good. I think one reason that, that people can get caught up in these religions and, and can be misled is they, they show up to these, these, these big mega churches that are, that are there and, and they go by the Starbucks that's in the lobby out front. And they didn't come there to get preached to. They come there for a pep talk. They come there for a preacher to, to put on a theatrical show and they have all this music and lights. And they're not there for God. They're there to be entertained. You know, they're there to have a preacher tell them that they can be their own God. They're there to tell, have a preacher tell them that if they're good enough, they can get into heaven. If, they're, if they do this, God's going to bless them with so much stuff and money. Folks, that's a lie. That is a lie. There is only one way to get to heaven. His name is Jesus Christ. He is the truth, the way, and the light. There is no other way to come to God except through Him. Period. We can't just sit back and accept everything that anybody tells us is truth. We can't just go along with what the Bible study says in your Sunday school class. Because believe it or not, it's getting hard even to get those. Some of the most well-known pastors and preachers that are out there are starting to conform to the world. They're not following God's Word. And those kind of people are sending this out to the masses of the public. And nobody's checking. They're just taking it. And we have got to watch that. That is very dangerous for us. As a Christian, you have to guard yourself. You have to test things with the Holy Scriptures yourself. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. A worker who has no need to be ashamed and rightly handling the word of truth. Are you handling the word of truth rightly? Only scripture should convince us what is true. That's the only way. That's what we have. That's what God left us. The next thing I want to move into is doubt. Remember when I told you beginning, one in ten believe in Bigfoot? Well, there's nine that doubt in Bigfoot. You know, and we as Christians, we can have doubts that we have to deal with. The Bible warns us to be very careful of this because doubt can cost us a great deal as well. It can be very dangerous. And that's going to bring us to the disciple that I want to talk about today. We all know him. His name is Doubting Thomas. The first time that we ever see Thomas in Scripture, uh, he's mentioned in the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. 
Uh, that can be found in John 11, 1 to 16. I'm going to read that. Uh, it says, Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, him whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he had heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in this place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. And the disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and you are going there again? And Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in a day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. And after saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. But I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. And now Jesus has spoken of the death, of his death, but they thought that he meant he was resting in sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas called the twins, said to his fellow disciples, Let us go, that we may die with him. You know, the disciples, they have a good point they're trying to make here. They're telling Jesus, Hey, Jesus, I don't think it's a good idea that we go back to Judea. There's people there just trying to kill you. When you move on to 11 and 12, it gets a little bit humorous. Jesus is trying to tell the disciples, hey, Lazarus is sleeping. And the disciples want to respond, well, hey, let, let the brother sleep. Ain't no point going back and getting killed. If the man's asleep, just let him sleep. Jesus says, all right, look, he's dead. He's not sleeping, he's dead. But what I want to key on in that whole passage is the very last one. And it says, let's go to and die with Jesus. You know, Thomas, the one we see here, he wasn't just a doubter. Matter of fact, I didn't see much doubt in that scripture I read right then. Instead, I see something where he's getting a bold statement. He says, I am willing to follow you, Jesus, even if it means death. What can we learn about that? Well, we can see that Thomas wasn't just a doubter. Thomas was fearless. He was willing to put it all on the line to follow Jesus. In his mind, there was a strong chance that, that he would be killed if he went back to Judea. But Thomas was really willing to risk death to follow Jesus. 
Do we have that same passion to follow Jesus? Would we follow Jesus all the way to death? Do we have that same desire and boldness to follow Jesus? You know, as fearless and bold and willing as Thomas was in that scripture, that wasn't the, the nickname that he ended up with, was it? No, he was labeled the doubter. All because of one moment in scripture. That's all we have of why Thomas got the nickname as the doubter. And it's funny that Thomas wasn't the only disciple to doubt. All of them did, and on multiple occasions. Every one of the disciples doubted that Jesus was alive and had risen from the grave. In Luke 24, 36-40, says this, As they were talking about this th these things, Jesus himself stood, stood among them and said to them, Peace be to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled, and why do doubts arise in your heart? See my hands and my feet, that it is myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bone, as you see that I have. And when he said these, he showed them his hands and feet. Well, if all of them had doubts, why did Thomas get stuck with the nickname the doubter? It's because none of the other disciples ever said it the way that Thomas said it. John 20, 25, so the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord, but he said to them, unless I see in the, see in the hands the mark of the nails and I place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. You catch that? I will never believe. That's why Thomas got labeled the doubter. All of them had doubts. But in that moment, he was pretty brazen when he says, I will never believe. We as Christians, we can have moments of doubt as well, but we shouldn't linger on them and let them define who we are. And that led me to this question, is why do people have doubts? And as I dug into this about why people might have doubts, there were several reasons that come up. The first one, I think, is, is there are people who just flat out refuse to believe in God because they have sin in their life. They have convinced themselves that they can't trust what the Bible says, and therefore they doubt God. They refuse to believe in the trustworthiness of the Bible because if they accept the Bible as the unquestionable word of God, then they're going to have to change their life. They would have to repent of their sins. Instead, they refuse to trust God. They refuse to believe, and they have let doubt totally take over their lives. That way they don't have to change nothing. That way they don't have to let go of the things of this world. And they have no desire to. They have no desire to give up 
what their fleshly body wants. Because that is opposed to God. Other people refuse to believe because they trust something more than God. They have doubts because their friends and their family or, or whoever says that God isn't capable. They doubt because science says that God isn't real. Let me tell you something. God is capable. My God is real. And my God would disprove science every time. Science will never disprove God. It never has and it never will. They try. They try harder than anyone to disprove God. But they can't. Other people refuse to believe because they believe in a small God. Their God has to fit over here in this box. He doesn't have any power and they don't let him out. They don't believe he can do very much. Their God can't do miracles. Their God can't protect his people. Their God can't protect his Bible and his word. They have a little God. They doubt God because they, think, they don't think he could do anything to begin with. And you see, that was Thomas's problem. Thomas's God was too small to raise Jesus from the dead. So he refused to believe. He doubted because he served a small God. But what about the rest of us? What about those of us who never would think about not believing in God? But we still struggle sometimes. We still struggle with doubts. Do you recall the story of, of Jesus walking on the water? Let me read that to you, in case you haven't heard it. Matthew 14, 25 to 31. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water. He came to Jesus, but when he saw the wind, he was afraid and he began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, O oh, ye of little faith, why did you doubt? Jesus rebuked Peter there for his doubt. But why did, Peter, why, did, why did Peter doubt? It wasn't like Thomas because he refused to believe. He believed in Jesus. But the problem was is he took his eyes off Jesus. It's when we quit looking at Jesus is when we begin to look at the wind and the waves that surround us in life. That was when P Peter began to sink. That is when his doubt and fear set in. And that's when he started letting his faith die down in him. Now what that should tell us is there is a way to protect ourselves against having doubt and fear. 
and that is we need to focus on Jesus. If I have to have a strong faith that isn't crippled by doubt and fear, then I have to focus on Jesus. That's when things change for Thomas. That's when his doubt turned to faith. That's when he looked at Jesus and he declared, My Lord, my God. See, Thomas was a Jewish man. For him to make that statement, he didn't just say, The Lord. He just didn't say, A Lord. He said, My Lord. That is a Jewish man who was on this earth that was declaring that Jesus Christ was the risen Lord, that it was His Lord, His personal Savior. That's when His faith changed. There's one last thing I want to tell y'all before I close. That way we can beat everybody to the lunch house. Oh. And I, I, want to, I want one little story here, and I want to close with Mark chapter 9, 22-24. And it's a story about a father coming to Jesus, and he's asking him to heal his son. And Jesus says, If you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Sorry, not Jesus. The man said this. And that's when Jesus said, If you can. If you can. All things are possible for the one who believes. And immediately the child cried out and said, I believe, but help my unbelief, Lord. And Jesus healed this man's son. But why? Why, why would Jesus heal this man's son? This, this father had doubts when he walked up to Jesus. He had doubts. He even admitted it to him. He admitted, help my unbelief. But you know what? That father came to Jesus because he knew that Jesus was his only hope. He had his doubts, but he knew that Jesus was the only way. But he remained focused on Jesus. And his son was healed. It's only when we look at Jesus that we can overcome our doubts and receive what God has for us. If you're here today and you do not have a personal relationship with the Lord, I would invite you to come down and pray with me. You can come pray at the altar. If you're here today, you've been living in a life of sin and unbelief. And you want to know more about giving your life to God. You want to know more about Jesus. I invite you to come down and speak with me. Don't let your fear and your doubt keep you from having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Because He is our only hope. If you're looking for truth, he is where you will find it. Maybe you're, you're here, you've been a Christian most of your life. 
but you've just taken your focus off Jesus for a change. And you need to get back on track. Come pray with me. Come pray at the altar. You know, this carpet on this altar looks pretty fresh. We should have that carpet worn down right there. I don't feel like we come to the altar near like we should. I'm, I'm guilty of that. I'm guilty. I'm not calling anybody out, but I'm guilty of that. I don't come down here and give my stuff to Jesus like I should. But let's make it a point. Start talking to Jesus. Start talking to Jesus more. Start, stop depending on yourself and start giving yourself to the Lord. Because He can help you with things. You can't do it on your own. But He can help you with stuff. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Grace Heavenly Father, we come to you today, Lord, and we just thank you for this time of worship, Lord. Lord, we thank you for these scriptures that we've read through, Lord, and I just pray that, that these, these lessons will be uh, put on our hearts and our mind, Lord, that, that we'll think about uh, how, you, how you want us to do things going forward, Lord, that, that if we took our focus off you, Lord, that we will, we will rededicate that and we'll turn our focus and our eyes upon you, Lord, that you will lead our life and that we won't, Lord. Lord, we pray for our community, Lord. We pray for those that are lost. I pray that if anyone in here, Lord, is lost and they do not know you and do not have a relationship with you, Lord, that you would put on their heart, give them the courage to step out and walk down this aisle and declare you before everyone that you are their Lord and their God, Lord. I just pray that, that you would give them the strength and the courage for that, Lord. Lord, I just ask you to just be with us as we go about our days, Lord, and be with uh, Brother Richard and Mary Beth as they're, they're on their way back, Lord. And um, Lord, we just, we just thank you for the love and the grace that you've gave us, Lord. We just ask you all these things in your blessed name.